Hello and welcome to Task Talks. My name is Kevin Stark and I am joined today by my manager in the Engineering Operations Department, David Slater. Welcome, David. Hello. And today we'll be talking about automation. Uh, we are the Engineering Operations team here at TaskTop and we do uh, an awful lot of automation in our day-to-day -day work. And we really wanted to just sit down and kind of plan out all the steps that we take into account when we're, we're planning some automation, we're uh, automating new projects, new tasks, we're looking back some of our, at our existing automation and, and finding ways that we can improve it uh, and keep our process moving and, and uh, all the services that we support uh, healthy and happy um, and so you know David maybe just talk a little bit about you know this idea of automate everything like is that is that reasonable what does that mean you know what should we be doing when we're thinking about how to automate a lot of our systems well I think that's actually a really good question uh, you know there there I think anybody will have more things to automate than they could possibly automate at, at the current uh, point. Uh, I think always when you're looking for automation, you you grab the the thing that is most difficult for you right now, the thing that is most time consuming, and you start with that. Uh, <clears throat> should you automate everything? No, I actually don't think you should. There are some things that should not be automated, uh, but that is largely it is largely true that you should you should automate almost everything. Um, we actually have there's a great XKCD comic about this that we have on our our team page. Uh, for one of the guides on how to decide what to automate something. And the gist of it is it actually has how long it takes something, how often you do it, and then if, you know, the, the, the amount of time that it takes to do it is enough, then you should be automating it. Right. So, you know, so if like you, you, take, one, you take that task, how often you do it, how long it takes to do, you do the math, and then you figure out, okay, well, now I can spend eight hours or eight days or eight weeks trying to automate it before I actually am losing time in the automation rather than just doing it. Yes. Manually, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's 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 a good reminder when you go to our homepage uh, on our on our wiki that yes, okay, we need to be thinking about automation and, and the kinds of things that we automate. Um, and the kinds of things that we automate are, um, I mean, it it runs the gamut. We we do a lot of release engineering. We do uh, we manage a lot of services, cloud services, uh, internal tools, um, builds. Uh, and we automate almost all of those things to some degree. Um, some of the more recent projects that we've taken on is is a lot of our, our Jenkins jobs are now all infrastructure as code. So all of those jobs are defined by uh, DSLs and we place them in source control and they're managed and tested. Um, and that actually improves the amount of builds that we can create and manage. Um, just on a huge scale. We used to have hundreds of Jenkins jobs that were all manually built and configured. Engineers were going in, we were going in, making changes to those uh, configurations. And while we had a history, we didn't know exactly what had happened to all of those jobs. And so if something starts failing, it was very difficult to track down uh, the differences and, and the little uh, changes between each job to be able to manage it. So automation in that sense really helps us find kind of a baseline. Then when we want to make configuration changes or one-off builds, then we can actually use that, leverage that uh, that automation to be able to, to do that and be able to put it through code review and it stays in source control. Well, and you know, you get to leverage so much more from automation too. One of the interesting parts about automation is you're actually, 
allow other people to leverage the expertise that are on your team. <clears throat> it allows teams to really be um, uh, more cross-functional without having to know everything quite as well as we do. You know, they don't need to know exactly how Jenkins works. Now, for example, the way that we've set up our, our templates, uh, engineers can go in and just make slight changes in YAML files and configuration to, to make changes to the build, uh, you know, without having to know exactly how we set up our entire delivery pipeline, for example, right? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> you know, and it also, one, it also is, is good for business continuity in a, in a couple ways. Uh, I don't need to be here to be able to to create those jobs and edit those jobs anymore as well. So if I take some vacation, it's not like everything comes to a grinding halt. There's still automation to take care of that task. And there's a lot of examples of that, especially when it comes to enablement. Um, it also, you know, you can, you can have configuration histories of, of things, but when you don't source control these things and they get edited in production, sort of like Jenkins, I'd keep using that example. It's a good example. Uh, you lose that knowledge. It's gone. It's not in source history anymore. It also has no connection to your code base as well, which is another nice uh, yeah. part of that. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, you put it in source control, and suddenly now you can version it. Uh, something that we've been doing is, is what, what about all our release builds or release pipelines and things like that? Now we can actually um, we can actually put that on a, on a branch, on a Git branch next to the code, and we know that if we ever need you know, if something happens and we lose all of our build servers and all we have is the Git repository, we can actually rebuild not only the code and the product, but we can actually get back to build system and configurations for everything that we need to actually build that product. Absolutely. So, and, you know, the automation is also, it's a great documentation of, of exactly what's happening too. I remember when I took this job uh, and I was doing my first release uh, and actually there wasn't a lot of there wasn't overlap with the previous person who did the release management, but I did have these automated scripts to to say deploy things, and I could you know reverse engineer those automated scripts to know what was actually supposed to be happening. <laughs> right, right. They're like a form of documentation yeah. of of what was there, and it allowed the business to continue. Uh, yeah. You know, there was a turnaround of just a couple of weeks, even with no overlap, because I had those scripts, I could run them, they would work, and you know, you didn't actually need that person standing there doing that. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking very blue sky. Uh, there's, there's definitely some trade-offs. Um, and also there's ways that, that automation can certainly get painful. Um, early on when I started working with this team and, uh, it was actually just, just you and I, uh, a lot of our automation was in the form of, of scripts. We had just lots of scripts, yeah. uh, written by a, a, whole group of different engineers from different departments just at the time trying to get things done and, and built and, um, and automated quickly. So some of them are in Bash, some of them are in Ruby. Um, yeah, different level, different, uh, you know, uh, levels of Bash to different levels of support of Bash. Uh, yes, compatibility. Yep. different versions, all yep. those kinds of things uh, spread across uh, multiple repositories, Yep. you know, different approaches to designing these kinds of automated tasks. And, you know, it's, it's tough when you're starting to use those, uh, as, you know, you inherit those, those scripts and, you know, those automated tasks. Uh, now you have to figure out a way that you can actually manage them accurately, um, be able to use them to, to the purpose that they were, were written for. Uh, and then try to improve them. And it's so hard to improve something, especially build scripts. 
you know, they're, they're typically not always that well tested. Um, they may not be organized very well. Uh, you know, they're just built to work. And as you start to, uh, as you start to change how your builds are working, how your infrastructure is working, you're trying to improve that part, you'll start to see that some of these scripts that you've been relying on for your current configuration, your, the current state of the world, start to break because you're yep. making changes to the world that it relies on. Yep. And so now, okay, now you've, you've created new automation, you've created a slightly better architecture, but now all those scripts that you had from your existing automation, now they're all broken. Yes. So now you have to reimagine those. So that's like, that is a, 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 something that we have to be really careful of when we're automating things is how can we create automation that is not only useful to us, but also can be robust and can uh, adapt to changes in your infrastructure and in your build systems uh, in your code however you're doing things if you still want to improve that infrastructure you still want to improve that pipeline so how do you make sure that you you know how do you make sure that you get those scripts in a state where you can actually still reason and and apply that to your infrastructure and your pipeline without um, having to do a lot of refactoring. So, right. You, you don't want to uh, slow down progress or your, your velocity uh, of making changes just because you're worried about changing about your automation. Yes. And I think that's the type of thing that actually scares people away who maybe have not done a lot of automation from really starting to embrace it is, is that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> I, I think it's you just have to treat scripting just like you treat any software. It has to be robust. You have to use a lot of the same principles. Uh, testing is a very good thing. Scripts can be very difficult to test. It's actually some, like something that we have found really difficult. It really depends on what you're writing the script for. You know, there's one thing if you can, you know, manually run the script and see if it works. It's another thing if you can run tests on that every time you make a change to it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that's been a process that we've been trying to, to, to bring into the team, uh, taking scripts that do certain things, um, you know, for, uh, for my own example, we recently uh, revamped some of our, our release notes generation scripts. Um, they were not tested at all. I, I introduced a bunch of unit tests in there to try and get get myself to a level of confidence that what I was doing was actually not harming the functionality so that I could actually start to refactor and then do the actual functional changes that I needed to do. Yeah, um, And that's that was really quite painful because it was a it was a big three-step process i needed to take the existing script test it then refactor it using those tests to give myself some peace of mind that i wasn't actually harming the script and then yeah. make the improvements that i needed to actually complete the task that i yeah, was trying yeah, to create yeah, in the first exactly. place well and I, I think you pointed out something good here there's a tendency to just to just bash out a script and there i'm done it it does the thing that i want to do uh but, you know, in this case, for example, you're using test-driven development. There is really no reason why you cannot do that with, with scripts. And, and a lot of those good practices we've learned from product development, we should and must apply to automation. Where, you know, if your automation gets uh, complicated enough, it becomes its own product, especially so when you start building a, a platform around automation. So another thing you talked about is just the spread of languages and, and scripts, you know, spreading out all over the place and nobody knows what it does, how it works, that sort of thing. And one thing that we've started to to think about is uh, creating platforms for automation. You know, so you don't end up with a large breadth of scripts. You have some very common automation tasks that you can then 
re-leverage in other scripts. So now you're maintaining, it's just like any other refactoring. You're maintaining one version of that functionality instead of 30. Right. So when you make that change, you're not afraid to make the change to your process that allows your team more velocity because you have one place to go fix that, not yeah. a million places. Yeah, absolutely. So just kind of moving into um, creating new projects and <laughs> also looking back and uh, dreaming of how I would have reimagined old projects. Um, you know, I, what is you know what is the difference between you know starting with a new project? How do you how do you build out that process? What's what's the best way to imagine that? Rather, you know, in, in terms of automation at least, uh, versus when you are introducing automation afterwards. And, and right. I mean, I would I would say. Uh, this probably isn't going to be a surprise that if you can automate uh, a pipeline, a, a, a delivery system from the beginning, um, that is by far the best way to do it. Absolutely, you know, yeah. Right, right. You know, if you're writing a web app, start with a, a bare HTML page that you can throw up. Um, you know, build it, test it, deploy it, um, see it running, and then every time that you commit code. Uh, have that pipeline run and find ways to automate uh, all of those things. I mean, that's that's the easiest way to go about it because you're you're automating from the start. And then when things start to get slow and things start to get difficult, then you can concentrate on certain areas of your pipeline that need improvement. Yeah. Um, whereas with the automation afterwards, you know, you're going to uh, it feels very comforting to try and you know bang out a project or bang out an application in, in a short period of time and say, okay, it's done. And someone says, great, where can I see it? They're like on my laptop, <laughs> like, no, right. like how I need to see it. Like, where can it, where can it go? And then you have to start thinking about, uh, okay, well, how do I, uh, where do I put this? And, and how does this get put on a machine and how do I build it? And what do I test it with? And how do I deploy it? And all of that crap that you, you could have done from the beginning and, and so that automation afterwards needs to focus then on, if you're in that state, what like you said before, what are what are the pain points? What are the, what is yeah. the most difficult thing? We actually went to a talk um, just this uh, just this past Tuesday uh, by an engineer from Microsoft, Donovan Brown. Uh, very cool guy. He was talking about you know what am I the most scared of? Like, if I look at all my pipeline, what is the bit that scares me? Like, everything else is fine, but as soon as it gets to this bit, that's the one where it's like, if it's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong there. Yeah. Um, that's the part that you should focus on. Like, try and get those those biggest gains uh, yeah, out of absolutely. Those, those most painful areas. And I, I like to take that approach. Like, he was referring to their, their VSTS project, and it was really, actually, really interesting. And I feel very... The, the same way about that. I, I think you actually need two different approaches when you're starting with a new project. It's like you say, you start with the simplest case and you just, you do it right away. When you're starting with a bigger, maybe more complex project, first of all, you're going to need the domain knowledge to be able to automate that thing. Uh, once you have that, you, you will really understand what is the most painful part. What is the part that, that is causing, like, you know, causing the most delay in your velocity, what takes you the longest and you just chip away at it. Some of these things are too big and complex uh, this is another thing Donovan talked spoke about actually that I totally agree with. Some things are just too big to tackle all at once. The the company's not going to let you go and say, "Hey, just hold on two months, guys. Yeah. I'm going to just take care of this thing." 
I'm going to lock uh, myself in a room. Yeah. It's going to be done. I'll see you in May, <laughs> and I'll have this ready for you then, and then we'll be able to get back to business. Yeah, no, exactly. you, you know, you just you pick it apart. We, we had a similar situation where we took over a web property that hadn't had an owner for a little while. So, you know, uh, software just like fruit rots when nobody touches it. Yes. This is definitely a good example of that. Uh, really, nothing was automated. <clears throat> and, you know, we, we took it over, and we just one thing at a time. You know, first thing first, uh, let's improve the source control of, of this web property. Let's uh, automate, you know, let's put it in a, a darker container so that we can make development easier and push this to production easier. Okay, now let's automate pushing that image up automatically. Let's automate, uh, you know, pushing that to ECR to, to then push it in our environment. And it's just one thing at a time. And, you know, it's really the only way that you can do it, especially like that one web property is not the only thing we're, we're doing right now. We're also starting new projects and automating them in full as well, you know, and and the kind of the nice thing about that is our team has really developed and improved our automation over time. So by tackling little pieces of it, what we've actually done too is to be able to learn things elsewhere and apply them to that project as well. Yeah. And it's much easier. There's much less tech debt to wade through when you, when you do it that way as well. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that always, it feels a little bit uh, gross, but you need to take the, the approach that, hey, I'm learning. If I've done something in the past and then six months later I look back on it and think, oh my gosh, I should have done that differently. Yeah. I know exactly what I would have done if I had done that now. Um, you know, that, that means that you're improving your process, you're, you're improving yeah, absolutely. Uh, the way that you think about these problems and, and how to solve them. And, and like really there's, you know, when talking about automation and, and creating these kind of almost continuous delivery pipelines for, for any project, no matter what yes. it is, there's, there's really no project too small. You know, if you're, if you're building a tiny web app by yourself or for something for, for your business, yeah, there's, it's, it's never too small to just, uh, start from the beginning and you know try and build a pipeline an automated pipeline all the way through from code commit all the way up to deployment um, because you're going to find you're going to learn a ton about the entire process so that even if you know in your work you're going to be focused on on maybe the app development side of things you're going to understand um, a lot more about the uh, the rest of the pipeline that you yeah. that you wouldn't have been exposed to. Well, and it's going to pay dividends for the business. Like this shouldn't be a hard thing to convince anybody to do. Uh, even if you do no automation right now, like you say, there's no project too small for, for something like continuous delivery and, and automation. Uh, you really need to start at those low, small projects that are going to grow in the future. That will pay dividends into the future in many ways, including business continuity, yeah. including just your time to be able to focus on other things. Even if that automation breaks or is hard to initially get through and it seems like a big time sink it will pay back over time yeah absolutely uh well david i've had a great time uh join me again and uh we'll see everyone next time thank you very much